Hi, welcome back to Female Founder World, the place to meet your business besties online in IRL. I'm Jasmine Garnsworthy. I'm the host of the show. And today I'm chatting with Iskra Lawrence, which is kind of a big deal. She is pretty famous. She's a model. She's an influencer. She has more than 5 million Instagram followers. And she is a huge body image activist. But the reason why we're chatting with her today is because she's the founder of an inclusive and sustainable body care brand called Saltair. And some metrics, because we love to give you some milestones to help you figure out where this business is at. Saltair is doing between twenty dollars and $60,000 in sales daily, and they're about to launch into Target. She's been around, I think, for less than a year or maybe just on a year. So obviously a lot of traction in a really short amount of time. And I think that in a world where it feels like every celebrity, like literally Brad Pitt has a beauty line, they're just slapping their name on a beauty brand. I think that Iskra is an example of a famous founder who is launching or has launched a business in the right way. It feels, talking to her, it feels super aligned and just a just building upon the mission that she's had her whole life around inclusivity, her body image activism, and it just makes a lot of sense for her to have this brand. She's also very clearly super hands-on in the business. I found our conversation just really, really helpful. She can get into the weeds, speak to the tactics that have been working, and she's just warm and transparent and lovely and just generally super, super impressive. Okay, let's get into the show. You are now entering Female Founder World with your host, Jasmine Garnsworthy. Iskra, welcome to Female Founder World. It's so great to have you on the show. It is an honor to be here. I can't wait to jump into everything today. We're going to spend a little bit of time on your backstory and how you came to start this business. But first of all, for folks who don't know Saltair, what are you what are you building over there? What are you doing? Yes. So Saltair is an amalgamation of my mission of empowering women to feel confident and comfortable in their skin, but also take that time for self-care. Um, and as someone who struggled with an eating disorder and body dysmorphia growing up and being in the fashion industry for nearly two decades, I always knew the value of making me time. If, even if it was the five minutes you get to take a shower. And what happened was when I was going through postpartum, it was a dark time for me. I was giving myself negative affirmations, which is not me. Usually I'm super positive, but I was calling myself a mess and I wasn't showering and I was mm. not getting changed or dressed. I was like, you know, just in a robe all day. And I started to really kind of lose my sense of self and my, you know, confidence. And I remember having a chat with my partner, Philip, and him being like, what do you need? And I was like, I just need like five to 10 minutes to just have a really nice shower reset, feel clean, just, you know, just clean myself out of all the stress and anxiety. And I just set myself up for the day. And I was like, I have so many exciting skincare products and makeup products, but nothing was exciting me about showering. Um, And so that essentially was where the idea came from. It was like, oh, imagine if I could make this exotic escape in the shower for these everyday, like very mundane moments, but like elevate them, make them spa-like, but try and make them affordable. And as someone who cares about looking after my body, I also simultaneously care about looking after the planet. I feel like the two go hand in hand. And so I knew it had to be a sustainable brand. And so that is really where the mission started. And being in the fashion industry, I knew how hard it was to be inclusive because generally it's size that's really tricky to cater to because not everything is going to fit everybody. But a body wash, lotion, Mm -hmm. like that's 
you don't need different sizes. Everybody can use it. So even thinking about the formulations and trying to make them work for every skin type, you know, there was this real drive of inclusivity and giving these precious moments for everyone to experience and make them affordable, which is why, you know, we priced our body wash at $12 and made it in a pump so that it's even accessible for people with disabilities. And so that's really where the mission of Saltaire came from. And you've built such a beautiful brand and I feel like it's had such a high impact launch. And I'm going to get into all the questions around the business Mm. and what you're creating, but I think that for for Saltaire and that story to make sense, people need to understand where you've come from. You know, you are probably best known as a model, a body positivity advocate. And I just I just want to like let people know like you were really before there was all this like no filter authenticity mm-hmm. buzz on Instagram. Like you were one of the first people to really push for like no Photoshop, no filtering, no editing what, like, how did you have the confidence or what was the impetus for you to show up that way in such a public forum? Yes. I, I honestly got to the point where I'd spent many, many years unhealthily starving myself to try and be a straight size model and rejected for many, many years, about 10 years. And then I found out about plus size modeling and they told me that I was too small. So at that point, my frustration and all the years I felt like I'd wasted trying to fit into one ideal and then being told I didn't fit in the other side, I decided it was time to change the industry instead of myself, which sounds like a big thing. And it didn't happen overnight, but it just meant that I decided to be vocal. I decided that why can't I be the person to um, create change? And even though there's that saying, like, if you cannot see, you cannot be, I completely disagree with that. I think sometimes you have to be the representation, right? If you don't see someone doing it, maybe you will be the anomaly. Maybe you will have the the monopoly. And I felt like I positioned myself in the industry where there was no other models really my size um, or campaigning to not be retouched, that I created this niche for myself that obviously brands liked because as I explained to brands, this is what people look like. This is what your consumer looks like. She, she she can be me. She can be anyone. But you need to be more inclusive because that's going to represent your customer better. So I had this kind of unique perspective where I didn't just want to be a model because I was driven to want to be on the cover of magazines. I was driven to be a model because I thought I could create change. And by being vocal about inclusivity and explaining the impact that consuming images has on the consumer and the customer, I could work with brands to do better. And, you know, I got this opportunity to work with Aerie and it was just so much more than just modeling for them. I was in marketing meetings. I was in fit meetings. I was really a key part of their team. Um, and I helped leverage, you know, what felt good to the consumer with obviously then actually doing good for sales. And I had momentous kind of shifts in how that I got them all of their employees in store trained with something called the Body Project, which is run by NIDA, the National Eating yep. Store Association. I worked with them for many, many years. And so I, ha- I basically had all of their store associates trained. I would do online trainings just for the people within American Eagle and Aerie. Um, and I really just helped them grow and become so well known for what they do. You know, Aerie is kind of like seen as and heralded as the brand to go for if you want authentic, real. Um, and so it was an absolute joy to build that with them for seven years. And really modeling contracts never really last that long. So it was 
it was really, really wonderful. And then during the pandemic, it just didn't make sense because I moved to Austin, I was having a baby and I couldn't commit to the 50 days a year contract that I had with them. Mm -hmm. So we parted ways, but that gave me room to think, hmm, what did I love about working with them? What have I loved about this industry for the last two decades? But what's missing? What have I learned that I can bring into my own brand that I will have ownership in and that, you know, won't just end one day and I will have felt like I built something and then I'll have nothing to show for it. So I was like, this is my chance to use and learn everything that I have the last two decades and invest it into a product that I really believe in, a brand that I care about. And yeah, that's how I got to Saltaire. It's everything I've learned from previous experiences and have wished, oh, I wish I could, a brand was like this or wish they were more sustainable. I wish the messaging was like this. And for me, size inclusivity often wasn't elevated. It didn't feel as maybe luxe or aesthetic. I love real and I want to keep things as real as possible. But I also think there's a, a missing piece where people in different bodies want to see a beautiful campaign that is Pinterest worthy. And so with Saltaire, we really wanted to elevate, make it spa-like, not just make it this like real brand that had these products that were cheap and affordable. It was like, no, we're going to make this feel luxurious for you, for people that maybe haven't felt like they had access to that before. Yeah. And you've absolutely nailed that. I think, you know, why I wanted to kind of go into your story and give that backstory one of the reasons why is because I think there's been a lot of, over the last like year particularly, there have been so many like celebrity beauty brands launched. Yes. And it's been kind of like a, a real shift in the vibe and the mood towards a lot of those launches, particularly mm. in like the female founder and the small business community. But I just think it's really important to show the connection and the, and the through line between the work that you've been doing forever and then this physical product yes. that you've manifested as well. Like it is so authentic. It very much speaks to what your life's mission has been really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, I can't deny there was a part of me that was like, oh, the timing isn't the best. It feels like everyone's just putting out a brand because mm -hmm. they can. And that definitely was not how it felt for me. It felt like I'd been offered to white label and I'd been offered to just stick my name on something and get 20% of royalties yeah. over and over and over from, for anything, right? For I did fragrance with Aerie and they basically did stick my name on it. I got to go into the meetings and kind of like pick the fragrances ish and had concepts for the bottles, but you know, that was not my fragrance. And so I held out for so, so many years until I felt like there was a true purpose. I'm not just going to put something out just to put something out. You can kind of tell when people do that. And I feel like it's short lived. So it was like, it has to be purposeful. There has to be this white space in, I knew it was, going to be the body care space. I, I wasn't sure, but I just always felt passionate that that helped me through my own recovery and to learn and love to love my body was using products that gave me that time to kind of make connection with myself. And so I was like, there it's, it's boring compared to all the innovation that's happening in skincare and makeup. And I was like, actually, this is the time to launch something in body care because people are cognizant of skincare ingredients. They are very aware of what they're putting on their face and they're ready. They're bringing it into hair care. And I feel like they're bringing it into skin, into body care. Yep. And so me and my PR, we'd been talking and she said, you know, I actually know this beauty incubator. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to go down that route. I want full creative control. Like I really want ownership in this. I've held out for so long if I'm going to come out with something. Like I have to feel like I'm, you know, equal level to whoever else is involved. And so I had a meeting with my business partner. He has the beauty incubator called The Center. 
Um, and he's phenomenal. He sat me down and he goes, Iskra, I know that you want to do it all yourself. And you've done, you know, other projects and I've had many failures. I'm not, you know, shy to admit there's so many things I tried in the past that failed and I fall flat on my face, but I'll always get back up and try again. I think, um, you know, you read a lot of books and podcasts and everyone just says that you're not going to start one business and it will be an overnight success and that's it. You'll probably try and fail at multiple and every time Mm -hmm. you will learn more and more and more and then eventually it will happen. So, um, he just, reassured me he was like we're going to go into business together as you know joint owners co-founders um and he goes I completely agree there is a white space in body care but he goes are you ready because we're going to essentially be taking on Dove which is terrifying in which why people have not done this because those big brands that are like just selling body washes like nobody else where people just grab them just because they've always grabbed them he goes we're going up against that and I was like I know and it was it was challenging at the beginning to get people to even think about buying body wash online rather than in store. So mm-hmm. we knew that it would be an uphill battle, but we believed that the intention behind creating skincare inspired body products was something that people would crave. That something that people get excited about. I said, I'm excited about this. Like this is something I want as a consumer where I get PR packages and I get makeup and I get skincare. And I'm like, if I do get body care and if it is intriguing, it's usually more on the clinical side. And there was a scrub I got once and I was like, oh, this is actually a really great scrub. Let me go and repurchase this. I got it sent free from PR and it was 55 bucks. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, who's using a $55 body wash? Just a scrub. This was a scrub. So which yeah, again, right. it's like, I feel like a, a, a supplement product that, you know, you use once a week, twice a week, if you're, you know, really conscious about kind of lumps and bumps. But I was like, there's no way I can afford $55, <laughs> you know, every month totally. for this, this product. So yeah, we really, um, yeah, I, I believe that there is an influx and it's not a surprise, right? It sounds exciting. And if you are a celebrity or if you are someone with a platform and someone comes to you and the incubators are getting bigger and better, right? And they're getting more clever and they're pr- approaching people all the time, I'm sure saying like, Brad Pitt, why wouldn't you do skincare? It's yeah. going to sell. You're Brad Pitt. You don't need to know anything about skincare. Just go for it. And I, I don't want to use his, him in this example. I do not know him. Maybe he is very passionate about skincare and does know all the things. But um, I, I can see how the consumer can now get confused about like, hmm, is this just because they could? Or is this because they really felt like there was a, a purpose behind this, a mission behind this, and a product that didn't exist before? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk about just those early days in launch. You know, you speaking, you Mm. obviously had a partner in that incubator who helped with a lot of the subject matter expertise around formulation and just the beauty landscape in general. Uh, And you obviously have like a big Instagram following, which I'm sure was, you know, super integral in, in generating buzz towards what you're doing. But I think it's easy to look back at or look at a brand now that's a little bit further along, you know, you've been launched, I think for most of this year and kind of see this perfect shiny thing, but everyone has hiccups at launch. There Mm -hmm. are always mistakes. There's always challenges that you didn't foresee. I want to know what your story was. Like there must've been something that happened with Salt Pit Outlook, but you're like, oh no, this is it. (laughs) Of course. Yes. So immediately when we shipped out our first orders, (laughs) we got feedback saying, I cannot believe that there's dents and dings in my bottles. Like I'm so disappointed. I was so excited. And we were like, 
And we'd, we'd obviously done test runs and we were like, what is happening? People are just like chucking these packages around. And so right off the bat, we had to make a decision. And actually we had friends, friends in the, in the beauty world who had also done aluminum packaging, aluminum, whatever you want to call it. And they were returning. They were literally, sorry, they were letting, they were basically resending product to people. Right. And we thought about that and we were like, already our margins are tight. We're selling, you know, 20 ounce body washes for 12 bucks in aluminium bottles with pumps. Our formulas have really great, you know, actives in there. And I was like, this could be a losing battle. If we commit to sending everyone a brand new product every time there's a ding or a dent in. So we had this like emergency internal meeting. And of course it was on the weekend, right? Of of course it was like, you know, we launched on the Tuesday and like by Friday, Saturday, people start getting their first orders. And we were like, this is going to kill our business. So we decided to come up with bottle positivity (laughs) and to just like the way I embrace my dimples and cellulite and all those things, we're going to embrace it on our bottles because it's more important that your bottle is sustainably made with aluminium than it looking perfect. It's not about perfection. The formula is still going to be absolutely fine inside the bottle. And like that was one of those moments that I don't know if we hadn't committed to that, what would have happened. We also then did, yeah, we also then did test out different packaging, right? And we have, we've kind of created this like insert, but we were like, we can't create so much packaging. We don't want to do bubble wrap because that's just more plastic. So it was like, oh, how do we keep our customer happy where they're receiving a product that feels like, oh, it's still beautiful. I've spent my 12 bucks. Like I want to show it off because that's the other thing we want people to share, right? And we want it to look aesthetic, but we can't kill our business and be doing something that just doesn't make sense. So that was groundbreaking and that really just helped us. And I think it helped a few other brands as well that were like, oh, you know, consumers are okay with an imperfect package because they understand that the thought behind it was to be more sustainable. So I think that's helped a few of us out. Um, But, you know, we've had issues, oh my gosh, when lotion launched, even though we launched body wash and we basically have two options, you can either buy without pump or with pump because if you buy your first bottle with a pump and then you want to buy a refill, then you don't have to buy a second pump. You recycle the pump, you recycle the the used aluminium. So when lotion launched, we just thought that like 3PL and the distribution was like working and everyone knew what was going on. Launch lotion, same thing. It was a Saturday again. People started to get their packages and there was no pumps. All the people that had ordered pumps, no one had pumps. And it was like, oh, no. And you just get so scared because one bad experience can turn someone off of a brand, especially if it's a new brand. And the way, like, if you get negative reviews, like, it just is so scary. It can snowball. It can snowball, right? So luckily, we immediately sent out an email. And we were like, oh, my God, guys, we've effed up. You know, here's 20% off and we're all sending you pumps. And, you know, obviously that was not ideal, but we just got it head on. Like, it doesn't matter what time of the day or night it is. Like, come in, have a group meeting, decide what we're going to do and just, like, resolve it the best way we can. And so, yeah, that was – but in general, I think the last few years with the inconsistency of the pandemic, the inconsistency of manufacturing and components – that you run into issues all the time where it's like we might have, you know, 
the DO, but we don't have the DO cap or whatever it might be. Um, so having kind of patience that it's never going to be perfect, you're going to have to push back launches. We create a whole launch party and event for hair care, and then we had to push back to the next week. And it was like, oh my gosh. But you know what you do? You continue with the event because you already have organized it all and you just create a wait list. Is it ideal? Not really, yeah. but you just have to find compromises. I love all of that because I just think it, it speaks to how if you're, if you over communicate and you're super transparent mm-hmm. with your customers, like they are super forgiving. If yes. you're, if you, as long as you're, as long as you're communicating and you're open and you're explaining what's happening, yes, you'll have a few who might kind of, you know, push back and, and be argumentative about it. But generally people are, people are great. People are nice. And mm-hmm. they, you know, once you humanize it and kind of explain it as like, we're people too, we're just like launching exactly. this thing. People are like pretty forgiving. They are. And I, I really appreciate that, especially about our Saltaire girl. I feel like she is very supportive, you know, and she really believes in the brand and the brand makes her feel good. And we have a hilarious customer service slack and like most of us are on it so even that like we make sure we try and get back to nearly everybody and now and again like I'm on our Instagram and I'll screenshot and send like hey what should we respond to this I just want to make sure that everything's clarified and people feel like they have that support and they're part of the brand you want to just create those touch points right and just constantly create community and that's really what we've been trying to do and we want to do more events next year and align with different people and partners because I think that that is a great way for people to kind of become more invested in your brand. Yeah, we're definitely big on in-person events at the moment. I feel like there's a mm-hmm. real um, hunger for it. People want to connect yeah. in person. And also not just, you know, the, a lot of the brands that we're speaking with, they're not just talking about influencer and press events. They're talking about events for their customers and and putting yes. those moments together for customers. I'm really mm-hmm. interested in um, what's working for Solterra at the moment around when you're launching a new product, what are you doing on the marketing front? Like what's driving sales? What's driving buzz? Yeah, really good question. So we do heavily rely on PR packages. We ship out anywhere between two and 300 PR packages, which again was really scary at the beginning. It was like, these PR packages can cost us anywhere up to like $100 with shipping, with some of the size of them, with the product that's in them. But it really helps create buzz. Um, We try and time it. So literally the day a product go live is the same day that influencers are receiving these packages. And we focus on micro influencers all the way up to influencers of my size. But obviously what we see is sometimes those micro influencers that don't get sent as much PR say they've got between two and, I don't know, 80,000 followers. They are the ones that Mm -hmm. are really excited to receive a package. And again, they're trying to build their careers. So they want to showcase products. They want brands to notice them. So honestly, they're kind of key um, to getting people excited Um, And obviously we offer affiliates, we're on like to know it, where you can get up to 11% for sharing our links. I think that thinking about all the different funnels, right? And me as a creator, I do have that unique perspective of like, this would be super useful if I wanted to promote Saltaire, if I could find it on like to know it, if I could find it on Amazon and then have it on my storefront and just finding, making it as easy as possible for people to promote this brand. And we're lucky. Our product looks beautiful. So people do just occasionally have like a nice aesthetic shot of their bathroom and Solterre's in there and just trying to capture those moments. There was a video the other day, Olivia Culpo, you know, was doing this viral thing and Solterre's like right there by her bathtub. And I'm like, screenshot, screenshot, share it. Um, So 
in that respect, like making exciting PR moments, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be major, but something that people are going to be comfortable and want to share. Hey, it's Jasmine, and I'm jumping in here to let you know about a very, very special, short time only, all of the salesy words, community offering that we have available for Female Founder World. It is our business bestie subscriber membership. And for $9 a month, this is basically how you up level in the Female Founder World community. We constantly hear from founders on the show that building a network and building a community is the most powerful thing that you can do while you're on this kind of like offbeat entrepreneurial path. And our business bestie subscriber membership is the best way to do that. So it's $9 a month. You can cancel anytime. And we are only taking on new subscribers through to the end of the year. So this is a really limited time. Next year, we may relaunch and offer a similar kind of thing. The price will probably be different. But if you lock in now, you'll be locked in for that $9 a month membership. And basically, it'll give you, first of all, first dibs on all of our free events. So right now, if you try to get to an event in New York, you're probably going to be on a wait list with a few hundred other people. This will bump you right to the front and give you 48 hours of access to register for an event before anybody else hears about it. You'll also get access to a minimum of one live Female Founder World AMA every month. So these Ask Me Anything sessions are basically just like scaled mentorship. They're live calls with different founders and entrepreneurs who are the kind of people that you listen to on the show. They've got a really, really interesting story. They've built something super meaningful and they can answer those questions that you just can't Google. So you'll get access to those live calls every single month. You'll also get a workshop every month, which will be led by either a founder, a subject matter expert that we've handpicked, or someone on the Female Founder World team. And these are super tactical online sessions that basically teach a skill or a strategy that is really, really useful in business right now. We'll also give you access to our workshop recording library with all of the past sessions. And you'll get access to Female Founder World's digital goods library, which is where we keep templates and tools and resources. And and yes, sometimes that's us creating those for you or, for example, working with a finance or accounting expert to put together a spreadsheet that you might need. But most of the time, these are tools and templates and decks that have been used by actual founders in their businesses successfully. So it might be the exact pitch deck that a founder used to raise millions of dollars, or it could be the cold email and partnership proposal that somebody put forward that landed them a huge brand collaboration. These are absolutely just hidden gems. They're so, so useful. It's something that's really hard to get access to normally, and you're guaranteed at least one new template or download every single month while you are a business bestie subscriber. The link is in the show notes. And I am so looking forward to seeing you and all of our business besties in this new program. Some of the brands I talk to that are kind of like smaller and bootstrapped, they're they're nervous about doing paid ads at the moment just because those customer yeah. acquisition costs are rising. Like what's, what's working for you yeah. guys? Are you okay. boosting from other people's accounts? Like how are you thinking about it? Yes. Whitelisting. Whitelisting is key and also integrated posts. So integrated feels like it would be detrimental, right? But 
our results have shown that when we get like a TikToker or an IG girl who's just talking about her general shower routine and including not just Saltair but other brands and we whitelist that, that performs the best, which feels detrimental. But there's two reasons also that's beneficial for your brand. You either don't pay anything or you pay a lot less for an integrated post from an influencer. And then you're whitelisting. So you haven't got the hassle of even like, sending a brand new creator an idea or a format or you know being part of the edit or approval process you're kind of like just generally what we're doing is we're finding people because there are so many creators who want to do UGC they're out there like literally creating content for brands for free you just have to go and find that and pay and put a boost behind it whitelist it um, and then just reach out to them and obviously thank them and encourage them like hey we'll continue to send you product thank you so much or if you do want to do a dedicated post with us this is what it could look like our best day was we had two viral tiktok videos and one of them it's just that this sometimes it is bonkers to me as a content creator what now is selling because it is very different to what sold even just two years ago but there's a girl and you know she's holding a couple of salt hair products and it literally starts off with I'd never heard of this brand before, but someone else posted about it. So I thought I'd try it and it smells really good. And it wasn't, it, she didn't show the texture of the product. She did not show it her in the shower. She was just stood there in front of the camera, briefly talked about it for like 30 to 40 seconds, but it, because it was authentic and genuine and she just tried the product and she said it smelled good and she enjoyed it and it was a great price point. Boom. It That's like the recipe for success nowadays. So that, ugh, those big content creation moments where you think you need to invest in so much creative. And at the moment, that's not as necessary. I think there's still something for us where we do like to obviously invest in a campaign video to make it aesthetic, to get people excited, to kind of visually feast on it with their eyes and be like, wow, that product looked amazing. But for sales and conversions, those girls who love to just talk about their makeup, body care, skincare routines, and just sit in front of the the camera. Um, we have Bethany Frankel from the Real Housewives. She's just become a genuine fan of the brand and she's now posted about three salt hair videos. And the first one was hysterical because it's literally her reaction to just unscrewing the cap and smelling it and her being like, oh my God, this is good. <laughs> and it's just like, you cannot pay someone to have a genuine reaction like that. So yeah. I highly, highly recommend sending your product to as many people as you can. Hopefully it's enticing enough. Hopefully it's exciting. It's, it's ours is obviously brightly colored and it has a unique aluminium packaging. People tend to open it and then want to react to it. So when you're thinking about if you are right now listening to this, like, oh, I have this idea for a brand, make it stand out. Because if you're going to send it to people and they have boxes upon boxes of PR, your brand has to be the one that they're going to share. Yeah, absolutely. And it's heard, listening to you talk, like I wasn't sure when we hopped on this call how into the nitty gritty or how hands-on you were going to be with building the business. And I was kind of like, you know, I wonder yeah. I wonder how much she's in the day-to-day. You are clearly in the weeds on this, we're like very much hands-on. <laughs> yeah, I love definitely. that. What does, the team, what does the team look like? Like who else is building this? Yeah. So we have... We're in a part of an incubator that has four brands. So a lot of our team is shared between all four brands, which honestly is, again, just a fantastic idea because 
we can learn from Notori and we can learn from Fleur and we can learn from Make. And all of us as founders and owners get to communicate within ourselves and our own little kind of founder community that we have. And we get to support each other and talk about each other's products, try each other's products. Sometimes, you know, Susan's often said to me, hey, Iskra, can you try this new serum? Give me some feedback and vice versa. Like I'll send her some hair care and be like, hey, is this weighing your hair down or is it working? Or So that's really unique to like our team and the way it's kind of built and structured. Um, we have like full, full time. They're like just on salt hair marketing and ad sales. Um, and it's really a female focused team who were just like, oh my gosh, they constantly, there is not a day that goes by where we have a Slack channel called DBL, you know, our daily baseline of sales. And every single day we basically have to guess what our sales are. And then we have to explain or figure out why there's been a bump or why it's lower. And so even if you were in marketing, even if you were someone like myself, you can't not know where you're at with sales and why and what trends and what's working and what isn't. So I think that that's a really good advice for any business, even if you have just two employees. At the end of every day, review where you're at every single day. It sounds a little bit much. And maybe at the beginning, you'll be like, we sold one book today. (laughs) But like, where did it come from? Did it come from a Google ad? Did it come from Amazon? Did it come from an influencer? Like, and just understanding that and keeping on top, it keeps you connected to your brand and feeling like you have more kind of oversee and control and like, you know, the direction you're going. And we are all in that, you know, like there's a group of us and we all have to make our guesses every day. And you know, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes if you're late, you get disqualified and we joke about it and it's like, oh, you couldn't even be bothered to show up. And, you know, we just try and make that like a, a, a positive team environment and not so like heavy. I will say there's been some periods where it's been a little bit, you know, depressing sometimes seeing sales when you're like, what is happening? And it's like, okay, we need to try new whitelist ads. This clearly isn't working or we need to do a new email. I think we should focus on talking about how the body wash and the body lotion and the oil layers really nicely. And so like, I think sometimes those moments of like, things aren't doing great instead of it just focusing on that, it's like, okay, how can we change directions? How can we switch this? What ideas have we got? Um, And all of us being proactive people, I think that that's number one, as we continue to develop and grow, we only want proactive people on our team that are not reactive. They're like already thinking of new ideas already before we see a dip, like, oh, well, we already actually started this new ad or we switched it up and we tried this new language or we put a new header on our website so that people are now seeing Island Orchid is trending on TikTok. We have a banner on our website that says, yeah, Island, meet Island Orchid trending now on TikTok, like just constantly keeping on top of things. Yes, really smart. We're coming up to, or we're like probably in the thick of it actually now, you know, that real holiday season shopping with the mm. Black Friday, Cyber Monday coming up. How are you thinking about preparing for that season? What are you guys doing things differently? Like what's the planning that's involved? Because this is your first one, right? At Shulker, yeah. this is your first holiday season. This is season. our first one, inventory. Oh my goodness. We've, mm. we're a little bit scared because we sold out of... <laughs> Santal Bloom lotion, body wash, Dio, scrub, and oil. In the last two weeks, we've just been selling out because we've had some of these viral moments and we are definitely like, crap. (laughs) Have we got this together enough? Can everyone get like turned around quick enough to get us enough inventory? And it's so funny because, again, I think 
the um, naivety I had before really being like a brand owner and being involved in the day-to-day was thinking that, oh, it looks so great when you sell out. You know, doesn't everyone want like a brand that sells out? Yes. It's awful for sales. It's No, you don't want to sell out because then you have customers who are genuinely coming and excited to buy. And if they can't get it in that moment, you might lose them. So it's also just making sure we constantly have like wait lists ready, which again, sounds ridiculous, but we just want to make sure we don't lose that opportunity to obviously have a new customer. Um, And we definitely are very lucky with the timing. We're going into this holiday season. Everyone is talking about fragrance and fragrance layering. And people are into indulging in self-care and luxurious products right now. And we're at a unique opportunity where we have that and it's at an affordable price point. So we know that people are going to want a gift. We're going to be very focused on showcasing our collections. So, you know, we really continue the fragrance story from body wash to lotion to Dio all the way. So it's very giftable. So really leaning into that, showing people, and we're probably going to work on some bundles, but bundles, you know, a lot of people want a lot from a holiday bundle. They want mm-hmm. extra product for a lower price, usually packaged in a more premium way. And it's like, ah. Oh. So as a brand that, you know, we don't have a huge, huge kind of margin, we definitely try to make it as affordable as possible with great ingredients. We have to be conscious of like, are we going to commit to doing some kind of holiday bundle? And what if it doesn't sell through? And then what are we going to do with this bundle that we have? We're going to pay someone to then unpack it all and then sell. The, you know, yeah. So we're, we don't really, we've got to be really careful about bundling. And I think we won't do a special holiday bundle as such. We will just show people that they can purchase the three products together, but it probably won't come in any different unique packaging. They will just come and then hopefully if someone gives it to someone else, they can make it look cute because we know we're going to sell through a lot of inventory and that's just we're doing great at what we're doing. I don't know if we throw another spanner in the works and it doesn't work out and then, you know. <laughs> yeah. And what we've already said about launches and, and launching new things is always something that's, yes. that's going to happen. And do you want that in the middle of holiday? Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know. Um, sorry, sorry. I, I, I'm really curious about, and I don't know how much detail you can go into on this, but like when you're working with a beauty incubator, what, mm-hmm. like, how does, how does that structure work or how does that partnership work? I'm, I know there, there are a lot of brands that are kind of like doing this now under some kind of partnership, but I'm not super familiar with the nuts and bolts of how this kind of thing mm-hmm. operates. Yeah. So with a beauty incubator, my business partner already had the infrastructure and he had capital. So for me, I, I had some capital, but it w- we basically had to agree on an arrangement of equity, depending on how much time and energy and capital, if I wanted to do that, and then how much I would get in exchange. But it's phantom equity, which is very unique and different. And it's something that agents and people like I'd worked with in the past are not interested by or intrigued by because there's no upfront guarantee Um, and essentially you are committing to just as you would without a beauty incubator investing years into building a brand that might potentially not succeed not work and you walk away after having invested three four five years Um, but the goal with an incubator is to generally transact at around like the three to five year mark, depending on where the valuation is. Um, And so you go into this agreement basically saying, I will be the founder and the co-owner with you. 
I have to stay on, but the beauty, beauty incubator does not. So I do not know yet who could potentially purchase us, if it will be you know, an investment firm or if it could be a Unilever or a L'Oreal or whoever it might be. And I have to then negotiate because I have to stay on. I'm the face of the brand. And I want to, right? Like yeah. It's my baby. But yeah. I will have to renegotiate what that looks like. If I want to sell off 50% of my equity, if I want to stay in more, I will have to renegotiate what my role is. Do I want to be salaried after this time? I currently am not on a salary. Me and my business partner agreed that this we would just reinvest everything back into it so yep. that we could grow it as big as possible so that when it came time to transact, I would have enough equity that I could sell some to have a, a cash sum that will hopefully pay off my mortgage and give me some security. But yeah, we will have a big enough pie that, you know, he can leave and we can take it to someone else. So yeah, that's where the infrastructure is different because now looking back, it would have taken me at least five times the amount of Mm. time to get to where we are. We've only been going 11 months and, you know, our sales range from like a low of 20, a high of 60K a day in revenue. And that's for a brand that's only been going 11 months, it's, that's kind of unheard of. So I know I would have never achieved that on my own, never in a million years. And even though I still get stressed and I still feel tired and I still feel like I'm juggling a lot of hats, I would have been completely burnt out. I don't, I, it's so much work building a brand. And so I know when I came into this, having the infrastructure of an incubator allowed me to know that there was experts that knew more than me about, I don't know about Google Analytics, Google SEO. I know a little bit, but not enough to really create a successful brand. Same with Amazon. I've In the past, I have another business. I've spent three weeks of solid time trying to figure out Amazon stores, trying to do the A-plus content, trying to figure that all out myself. Just let someone else who's more specialized than that do that for you. So even if you mm-hmm. aren't part of like an incubator structure, of course, and many people listening to this won't be, outsource that to an agency like there of course you want to learn about your business and understand it all the the nuts and bolts but you do not have to do it all and often what I found is the, the biggest success is just give that to someone else to handle and take care of so that you can focus on what you're good at yeah that's really great advice thanks for being so transparent about that it's something I've honestly been curious about for a long time and I just know as soon as you mentioned that I was like that's going to be folks will be in my dms asking how yeah, that I don't know why people aren't open I think people are funny girl, about it the girl boss did us a real disservice making it feel like every female founder had to do absolutely every single thing to be self-made yeah. and it was like you know what, that's just going to burn you out and you want to love what you do. And it's really interesting because I'm friends with a couple of other founders and just hearing how their stories might have been different or they chose a different direction. And there's one in particular and she was just like, Iskra, I wish I'd have gone with the incubator option because raising capital right now, I'm I'm just, I'm literally pulling my hair out. I'm so scared every day. Like I really, my mental health is not okay. And so for me, I want to be open about this because if you do have the option to partner with someone or find an incubator or go to people, it can genuinely just make your life a little bit easier. And I feel like because I have so much joy around the brand, it's still hard work, but I have so much help and I have that infrastructure. My strength is not managing people. I know that. I've learned that lesson. I do not enjoy employing people. I do not enjoy training people. I enjoy sharing and like letting them, you know, anyone can ask me questions, but that is not my strong point. So finding a system where there was already that infrastructure, there was already people in roles 
who knew exactly, okay, this, we've got this new brand. She's got this great idea. Let's do that. We already have a system and a way to effectively get, the, get this out there. Yeah, that's really great advice. And Iskra, the last thing that I ask everyone who comes on the show is for a resource. And that could be a book, mm-hmm. a podcast, a habit, just something that's been helping you as you've been up-leveling as a leader and building your business that you think other people who want to do the same should check out. I feel like there's two things. The first one is my my friend Jenna Kutcher. Um, If you haven't heard of her, she has a Gold Digger podcast, but she also has courses. Um, She has been instrumental. She's one of those people who will go out of her way to check in with you if you're a friend of hers. Um, And she, from the gate, the, the gate was like also Iskra, outsource, outsource, outsource. I've got like 10 people mm-hmm. on my team. And I was like, you've got 10 people on your team? That, that sounds stressful to me. And she was like, absolutely not. It means I can just sleep at night knowing someone's on it and it's not all on me. And that was game changing mm-hmm. advice for me. And, um, she does fantastic courses. I did her podcast course and I've done her Pinterest course. And again, just there's a reason why courses exist. I feel like I sometimes had a mindset of like, Oh, I'll figure it out for myself. But sometimes you can spend double, triple or never figure it out yourself. And that time wasted, you could have just taken someone's course who's taken the time to really develop something and invested time and energy to help you. Yes, you have to pay for it, but hey, that value is going to be reinvested tenfold when you understand something more than you did. So I think that never stop learning, never stop investing in yourself or your career or your business. And then the other one is that's really key is just being very, very open with whoever's around you. For me, it's my partner, especially during COVID, you know, we had a baby, obviously with each other 24 seven. I tell him exactly how I'm feeling and we keep Mm. up to date with our businesses and what we're doing and we're constantly just checking in. And that really, really helps because he knows, oh, if something happened with Solterre or he can usually tell when something good happens, right? I'm like on a high, I'm like, we went viral today (laughs) or we've just launched this or, or if we do have a launch and it's stressing me out, like just constantly telling my husband what's going on and just being very open book and not being like, it's okay to cry over your business. It's okay to be stressed. It's okay to not want to talk about it. Just being very transparent about all of that so people know what you're going through. Because if you are building a business and you're doing it solo or maybe you just have your you know, employees or whoever, your team around you, your family, your friends might not understand what you're going through. And you might behave differently or act differently. Or maybe you have to start saying no to social occasions and events. Yep. And just being super transparent about like, this sucks, but right now I'm so invested in this brand and it needs to work. And you know, this is where I'm at. Doesn't mean I don't care about you. I love you. I check in as much as I can, but just know like I'm all in right now on this because this means so much to me. I hope you can still support me. That is absolutely brilliant advice. I, this has been such a pleasure. I've loved talking with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes. I'm so happy to be here again. Love this conversation. I really want to be an open book. I mean, if there's just one person on here that just gives them just something, right? Like either a little spark of like inspiration or like, oh, I'll try that or I won't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's why it's worth us having these conversations. And thank you for creating this space and this platform to feel safe to talk about all the things. (laughs) Of course. And if people want to find you and they want to find Saltair, where should they go? You should absolutely go and check out Solterre. <laughs> we actually do um, our full seven collection of fragrances in like a little mini travel wash. It's TSA approved. It's still aluminium with the pumps. But that's like the kind of, I don't know, experimenting way to kind of figure out mm. what Solterre fragrance you like. It's seven 
bottles, little travel size for $30. So it's really affordable. And then you can www.saltair.com. And then for more of me, you can go to my Instagram at Iskra. I'm also on TikTok at Iskra, YouTube at Iskra. And me and my hubby have a relationship podcast called Couplish, which launched um, just under two months ago. And we talk about business, but we just generally focus on like how to communicate and check in with your partner. Um, and yeah, it's going really great. I'm enjoying that too. So lots of new I ventures. I love that. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Wonderful speaking to you. Bye. Thanks for tuning to this episode of the Female Founder World podcast. I am so excited that we have had Iskra on the show. And if you enjoyed the episode, please tell a friend, screenshot, share to your Instagram stories, tag me at Jasmine Garnsley and at Female Founder World. I will repost it. I will say thank you. And you will literally make my day. Chat to you next time. <laughs>